Welcome back to the Coaches Rising podcast, folks. I hope you are doing well. And in our conversation today, I'm going to be joined by Deb Dana. And Deb is one of the leading voices in the world about how do you apply the key insights from polyvagal theory to therapeutic practice, to, to coaches now. Deb is actually training a lot of coaches these days as well as therapists. So we're going to dive into what is polyvagal theory, what are some of the key principles, and most importantly, what does it mean for in application when you're working with people? And Deb is on the faculty of our live online coach training, which begins on the 22nd of September this year, called the Neuroscience of Change. And this program is all about how do you apply the revolutionary research which is being done in the field of neuroscience that tells us what happens in the brain and the body when different coaching techniques are used. And these discoveries are transforming the practice of coaching. So in this program, you're going to learn really key distinctions. And most importantly, you'll learn coaching tools that are applying these distinctions that will allow you to more reliably create change, positive transformation in your clients. And so what do you get in this program? Well, there's 16 live video workshops, live and interactive. You can ask questions and uh, there'll be practices and coaching demos. Everything's downloadable. There's transcripts, workbooks, and four integration practice workshops where you get to actually apply what you're learning in the teaching sessions. And I think the, one of the most incredible things about the program is the faculty. We've got the coaches out there who are um, have deeply immersed themselves in the field. People like Amanda Blake, Richard Biazis, who's been actually conducting neuroscientific studies with, with people when they've been exposed to different coaching techniques. It's got some amazing insights about that. And Betts, David Trelevin, and, and Deb Dana. And then we've got also neuroscientists who are in the labs doing the work, coming out with groundbreaking research and really paradigms that are changing how we see who we are. People like Lisa Feldman Barrett and David Eagleman. So if you want to know more, you can head to coachesrising.com forward slash neuroscience of change. And enrollment is now open and is until the 21st of September 2021. All right, that all being said, let's dive in. Here's the podcast with Deb Dana. Deb, yeah, great to be with you. I'm excited about our conversation. I was just saying before we hit the record button that uh, I've been wanting to speak to you for a long time on the podcast. So now we've made it. And um, how are you doing, first of all? I am, I am well. It is, um, I, I'm in Maine, the state of Maine in the U.S., and I'm looking out the window and it is yet another dreary, rainy cool day so even though it's mid-july i'm wearing a turtleneck that gives you a that gives you a clue to to the environment around me and i'm just feeling really warmed by by our the conversation we've had so far it feels very um heart connected so this is going to be fun yeah great well then i think uh i just said uh, i just outlined before i'll just share that with the viewers i think what we're going to do is we're going to talk about polyvagal theory and some of the key ideas from that and then we'll talk about application mm -hmm. and I know your work is focused a lot for for therapists and um, clinical practitioners but you also you said you, you're training a lot of coaches these days and I think you know like you just said a nervous system is a nervous system so yeah yes yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm delighted to be talking to to your audience and and because I do think you know, we all need to understand the, the principles of polyvagal theory, because no matter what way we're interacting with clients, um, we are interacting with their nervous systems, right? You can't get around that. You are working with their nervous systems. My nervous system and my client's nervous system are in a conversation. And I, for me, it feels like I should understand that conversation. Right. Well, then uh, let, let's just start with some, the, the kind of big idea of like what polyvagal theory is, you know, like, how would you start explaining what it means? What yeah, it yeah. And, you know, you'd think I, I would have it down by now because I've been doing this for so long. But every time, it, it, you know, I do something just a, a little bit different. So let's see where that goes today. But, you know, polyvagal theory, and first, I want to just give you know, um, honor, gratitude to Steve Porges for developing polyvagal theory. He's been a great um, collaborator and friend um, for me. So that's where we start. And I believe that the easiest way to think about it is it's a theory of how the autonomic nervous system works. And the autonomic nervous system is at the heart of our daily experience. 
right? Everything we do, our behaviors, our feelings, our thoughts are, are connected to the nervous system. And so for me as, as a therapist, you know, I'd always been sort of a neuroscience geek. I love thinking about the brain, understanding how it worked, because I thought, well, this is what I'm working with with a client, the brain. And then I read Steve's work and I went, oh, wait a minute, <laughs> I'm working with the mind body and I forgot the body part. Of it. I, I need to understand how that works, which led me to you know, really diving into polyvagal theory. And for me, um, I just use three basic organizing principles when I think about polyvagal theory, um, neuroception, hierarchy, and co-regulation. So that, that's where I go. And I think if we understand those three, then we really understand how the nervous system works and we can work with it because we understand it and we can help our clients become active operators of their own nervous systems. That's really why I do this work, the, the application piece, because I, I want my clients to understand how to operate their nervous systems so that they are not um, dependent on coming to see me to navigate the, the challenges of life, right? They can come when the extraordinary challenges hit, but for the everyday ordinary and even some of the, the more extraordinary, if you understand your nervous system, you have a roadmap to, to what do I need? How do I, how do I find safety and regulation? What has to happen? So, you know, we're talking about our, our clients, the people we work with, but it begins here with us. Right. Mm -hmm. So really when I'm teaching workshops, I tell people, you think you're coming to learn how to apply this in your clinical work. You're really coming to learn how to friend your own nervous system first, because unless you do that, you can't use this with clients. Polyvagal theory is not a, a cognitive experience. You have to understand it, the, the principles this way, but it, it lives inside you and it's a way that you move through daily living. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'd actually, I, I think um, later on, I'd love to talk about how we attune, we can actually attune to our clients, you know, by doing that work, uh, yeah. befriending our nervous system. But maybe it's good first to ask you about those three kind of organizing principles. I don't know where, which one you would start with. Yeah, first. you know, it's interesting. I, I, I usually go neuroception, hierarchy, co-regulation. And every time I get to co-regulation, I think, oh, I probably should have started there, but I'm not going to. I'm going to go neuroception hierarchy co-regulation so if we start with neuroception that's the word that steve created to describe how the nervous system is taking in information because the nervous system um, connects with your cortex but it begins in your brain stem and so it works out of um, your conscious awareness below the thinking level of your brain moment to moment so you know every micro moment we're alive your nervous system is doing this process of neuroception, taking in through three streams of awareness, taking in through in, listening inside your body to your, your heart rate, your, your breath, your lungs, your, your digestion, your viscera, getting information, and then it's listening outside in the environment around us and then between. So it's listening in the relational field between nervous systems. So inside, outside, between. And as it does that, it's, it's um, taking in um, things that feel like a welcome and things that feel like a warning, right? So cues of safety and unsafety. Um, and neuroception then um, prompts a move along the hierarchy, which takes us to this second um, organizing principle, which is the, the hierarchy, which was Steve's brilliant um, creation, his development of understanding the nervous system through the hierarchy in polyvagal theory. And it's called polyvagal because there are two vagal pathways, which was his contribution to this. And so the hierarchy um, has three states, you know, three discrete states that, that we then blend and, and have flavors of. But we think about the three states. Um, at the top of the hierarchy is ventral which is the, the state of safety, connection, um, healthy homeostasis. We're organized enough to move through the world. We're safe enough. Um, and we want to connect through four pathways to self, to others, to the world, and to spirit, right? And all that comes out of this ventral pathway. We have passion and purpose. And, you know, it, it's, it's, you can feel it when I'm talking about it. It is 
it is a good place to be, right? It's the place where we are physically and psychologically healthy. We experience well-being there. And then we have two survival states that go in a specific order. When we leave ventral, when the world feels too challenging, too dangerous, too overwhelming, we go to the sympathetic nervous system, which is the system of mobilization and fight and flight, right? And so when your neuroception gets too many warnings from inside, outside, between, it's going to then take you to sympathetic and to that activation of fight and flight. And if that doesn't solve the problem, so to speak, your neuroception is going to get even increasingly dangerous or move into life threat, right? And then your nervous system is going to take you to dorsal, which is the other aspect of the vagus, dorsal vagal. And that is a place of shutdown, collapse, loss of energy, not enough energy to care, going through the motions, but not really here, all of those flavors of, of shutdown, right? And we and that predictable hierarchy makes it makes it helpful for us to understand where am I and how do I find my way back to the top of the hierarchy? How do I find my way back to ventral? So from sympathetic, I have to organize that overwhelming energy in some way. And as I organize that energy and engage with it differently, I can move back up to ventral. From dorsal, where I now have a, a huge lack of energy in my system, the hierarchy lets me know that from dorsal, I have to move through sympathetic to get to ventral. And as we move through sympathetic, we want to stay out of fight and flight survival energy and connect with the mobilizing energy that can be found in sympathetic. And that pulls us back up to ventral, right? So this lovely hierarchy tells us both how we evolved because it's it's how it was created across evolution. It's also how in the womb we develop, dorsal develops first, then sympathetic and around 30 weeks on ventral. So it's how we develop as a, as a fetus. So it tells us how we evolve and it tells us how we dissolve, right? So we, we know we can help our clients understand, well, this is what is happening. We can help ourselves understand, oh, wait a minute. You know, I just left ventral and wow, now I know where I am, right? And so it's real, it's a good roadmap in that way. So that was neuroception and hierarchy that mixed together. And then we come to co-regulation, that third organizing principle. Co-regulation is a biological imperative, meaning we don't live, we don't survive unless we have it. Right. And, you know, think about when you came into the world, you know, your, your longing, your autonomic nervous system's longing was to be met by a nervous system that was regulated, that was anchored in ventral and could welcome you with that with that connection. Right. For many people, that didn't happen. Right. Or it happened and then it got interrupted. Right. But that longing for connection with safe others is a lifelong pursuit. Right. And what happens if we have enough of that, enough safe experiences of connection, then we build self-regulation. So co-regulation then builds self-regulation. If you came into the world and, and you didn't have that predictably regulated nervous system around you, right, um, then you probably had to self-regulate because there wasn't anyone around to co-regulate with. And so it's, 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 it's out of order in that way. And so sometimes our, uh, the missing experiences in safe co-regulation, and we have to find those experiences as we, as we grow, as we become adults. And, and, you know, I'm 68, so I'm at this other end of my, my you know, lifeline, my, my timeline of my life. I, I still need um, co-regulation and perhaps need it even more now because I'm in a place where, where I, it can feel overwhelming to be doing everything on my own. Right. So, you know, we, we it, it's an interesting place to be. And, and then to think, who, who do we create for our co-regulating people? Right. Who are your people? You know, and for many of our clients, they don't have people. Right. We're their person. We're the person that they can co-regulate with in the beginning. And so, again, the responsibility why we have to understand our nervous system is in order to be regulating for you, I have to be regulated myself. Right. Yeah. yeah, that makes makes a lot of sense. Um, mm -hmm. I've often seen that in my coaching clients that they come in and are kind of 
um, stressed or agitated state. And um, one of the things we're doing together is uh, through my presence and acceptance of them, they begin to become more aligned and regulated. And then they access a certain kind of um, innate uh, resilience and, and wisdom. Yeah, I love that you said that because as you are anchored in your ventral, right, you, you are sending through your neuroception, through that between pathway, you are sending that information to their nervous system. You're also saying things, which is lovely, but you're sending in this other communication. That is the one that we want to pay attention to. And as they begin to feel that and their system begins to regulate, they have access to this, this innate wisdom, which is... I think in our nervous system all the time, they also have access to their prefrontal cortex because from that place of ventral regulation, prefrontal then is fully online and active. When we go to a survival energy, whether it's sympathetic or dorsal, our prefrontal no longer works in the way that, that it does when we're regulated. So there's, that mind-body connection is so you know inter, intertwined, yeah. And, um... It strikes me as being quite a compassion, a very compassionate theory in the sense of, I think a lot of people can feel uh, very judgmental when they're getting stressed out and then they can't just, um, you know, click back into place. But actually what you're saying, it sounds like, well, neuroception, a lot of this is happening uh, below conscious thought and awareness and it's, it's kind of automatic. Yeah. Yes. And so we have to, you know, part of our work when we're bringing this in, into, into our work is to bring perception to neuroception, right? So, so that we stop and go, oh, what's happening? Where am I? Right. And, you know, we have various ways to, to, to map our system so that I sort of can land and say, oh, here's where I am. Right. But what you're saying is it is, it's a very compassionate because it's non-pathologizing. It's non um, shaming, non-blaming way of being with myself and with others, right? Because if I if I look across the the room and my my client is is um, you know either really suffering with with agitated you know can't you know overwhelming anxiety or anger, which are both sympathetic, or is in that place of of just looking like they they they're they're not really here or they don't even want to be here. I can look and instead of making a story or a meaning or a moral meaning about it, I can simply say, oh, that's a dysregulated nervous system, right? What does that system need in this moment to feel safe enough, welcomed enough to come into connection? Because the nervous system truly is always talking to us, right? In, 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 in the behaviors of your clients, in the, in the things they say, in the things they tell you they're feeling, in their symptoms, whatever their symptoms are, that's the nervous system saying, here's what's going on. Please listen. What right? kind of symptoms? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, what kind of symptoms? Do, do... So, so, you know, if, if, um, you know, if you think about people who keep losing jobs, people who use substances, people who spend all day um, binge watching a TV show, right? Some of the simple things we hear all the time, right? That's the nervous system trying to tell you something, right? And if we start by trying to um, work with the symptom, then we're forgetting that the symptom is just the story the nervous system's telling you. So we need to go underneath the symptom and listen to that story because if the nervous system can become more regulated, those symptoms are going to change, right? Because they're no longer needed, Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you said that you you can map uh, where somebody is and how do you begin to do that? And I'd love to talk about that in the context of, you know, um, it sounds like there's both um, a kind of short term activation, you know, mm -hmm. in that um, maybe somebody uh, picks up some cues in the immediate environment and then they they uh, move through these sphere, these different levels. But mm -hmm. then. I'm imagining over time, uh, people can get, get like attuned to being in a certain place more easily. And, yeah. and, you know, and then within the kind of context of the world we're in right now, where there's just increased st stressors and anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, so, so how do you um, help people map where they are and begin to, to work with that? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, 
when I first tried to, to figure out how am I going to bring St- Steve's brilliant science into, into my office, sitting with a client. And I will say that I think I drove my colleagues crazy because I was talking polyvagal all the time and they kept saying, that's really interesting. What do I do with it? So then it came the, what do I do with it? And that for me became the autonomic ladder, which is where I began. So I have a ladder map that, um, that I, um, used to um, help clients understand their three states and ventrals at the top of the ladder, sympathetics in the middle and dorsals at the bottom. So it represents the hierarchy. And I like the ladder because it shows the flavors, the different rungs that you go up and down. It's not just, a, oh, I'm here and then here. It's, oh, I'm, I can feel myself going down and, and up the ladder. And um, yes, once we've mapped them, our home, what I like to say is our home, we all have a home in ventral, right? Because that's where the nervous system, I think, longs to be. It's where we have healthy homeostasis. It's for our well-being. I think our nervous systems know how to get there. We just have to uncover the pathways that they're built in. They get covered up by experience because the nervous system is shaped by our experience, right? Um, you know, Then familiar cues take us to these you know, survival states. Um, and, and that gets gets wired in as well. So we have the home and ventral. And then I like what you're saying about the current state of the world, which has been helpful in some ways in helping people understand. We also have a home away from home, right? In one of those survival states. So for me, my home away from home is dorsal, right? And if we think about the hierarchy, I know that when I leave ventral, I have to go through sympathetic before I end up in dorsal, but I go very quickly through sympathetic. I do not spend much time there. My system takes me right down the ladder to dorsal. And that was wired in, you know, long, long ago as a young kid, my system decided this is the safe place in your growing up world because you can become sort of invisible, fly under the radar, not be seen, Right. So that's been my lifelong long pattern. Um, I don't go there anywhere near as often as I used to because I've shaped my system in a way that that, you know, as long as I'm paying attention and as long as I'm nourishing my system and resourcing it in the way that it's telling me it needs. I don't go to dorsal very often, but it's always there as, as my ultimate rescue, right? When the world is totally overwhelming, you can find me totally disconnected somewhere, right? How about you? Where, where's your home away from home? Um, it's a good question. Uh, I mean, I certainly recognize the sympathetic the arousal, um, uh, you know, getting maybe angry and uh, stressed, okay. trying to solve problems uh-huh. and um, uh-huh. speedy kind of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. 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 So that might be where you ride out the, the, the warning, you know, in that sympathetic action taking place. Right. Yeah. So, so, you know, we help people identify what's your home away from home. And then we get to know it, you know, because it's, a, it's, it's not a question of not, not going there. Right. Well-being is not being always in ventral regulation. That is not well-being. Well-being is knowing when I have been taken into a survival state and having pathways to bring me back. Right. And I, for me, that is a resilient system. That's resilience. Right. That, that there's this move out of regulation and back into regulation. And for many of our clients, what, what happens, why they suffer is because they get pulled out and they get stuck there, right? So it's not that we're not going to get pulled out. We get pulled out all the time in little ways and then in big ways, you know, sometimes. And everybody over the course of this past 18 months has really noticed that, you know, the the, 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 the every day just happens over and over and over and sooner or later it's overwhelming and we get stuck somewhere, you know? And so the work has been to, <clears throat> how do I find my way back? I have to keep coming back and having you know, what I call a, a critical mass of ventral vagal energy alive and active in my system doesn't mean that I don't have the other flavors too. So right now, if I stopped and, and listened in, uh, I have a lot of ventral and anchored ventral because you're a delight to, to talk with and be with. And our, our social engagement systems are, are connecting and it feels good. And in the background, I can feel the familiar dorsal flavor. Right. And that's okay. It's, it's just there. It, that's okay. Right. It's not that I, I don't want it to go away. You know, I can even uh-huh. send it a bit of gratitude. Right. right. Do, oh, because, do you mind asking, 
Yeah, go ahead. So how, how do you feel it? Like, is it like is it a sensation or, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so yeah. So for me, the, the ventral is a very, you know, I can feel my energy and I can feel this, this flow going back and forth. And if I listen to my dorsal, dorsal is a place of, of um, emptiness, right? And, it, and it's a place of, um, of retreat where uh, everything around me goes away and, and what we want to remember because that could sound um that could sound good to some people right so what we want to remember about dorsal is it rescues you from the overwhelm that's in the world but it doesn't nourish your nervous system you don't get restored by being there right you get restored by being in a place that has ventral where you can be still and relaxed and reflect but this dorsal experience where you are taken away um, can feel relieving but it doesn't feel filling so we just want to make sure people understand that piece yeah mm -hmm. yeah. yeah beautiful yeah um, how, sorry i cut you off before i don't know if you remember where you're at but no. um <laughs> I, I i get curious then how you would support somebody how we can actually begin to move through those different systems back up to the the ventral yeah yeah so sympathetic let's start there because we often go ventral sympathetic ventral sympathetic ventral many times a day in some some flavor of sympathetic survival right you know it's it's a there's enough cues of danger so that that my um, sympathetic system begins to pump cortisol and adrenaline and you can feel that and, and sympathetic is that place of should or have to i must i need and you can feel it as i'm talking you can feel it begin to you know and it either comes in flavors of anxiety or flavors of anger right and there's there's a there's a spectrum along that continuum of sympathetic and so if you're if you notice oh I, i'm feeling that flavor of sympathetic where where i am i am going too fast and i can't think and i'm going around in circles right then if you feel that in the very beginning it's easier to find your way back to ventral right so you when you can notice that you say okay what what do i do to organize this energy right because the energy is is disorganized. The movement usually looks chaotic, disorganized, right? And it might be something as simple as getting up and walking to a destination because that's going to organize your energy. In order to go from here to there, I have to organize my, my body. It has to move in a certain way. Or it could be as simple as um, turning on some music and singing along, right? Because I have to, have to be organized in some way. It's all about organizing because the energy of sympathetic is chaotic, overwhelming, disorganized. So we just want to organize. There's so many different ways to, to do that. The, the way that is, is more difficult is, is a cognitive way. So like if, if I'm your client and I'm you know, in this dysregulated, disorganized, sympathetic place and you notice that talking to my prefrontal is probably not your best bet because my prefrontal isn't listening in that moment, right? You know, so inviting me to, you know, whatever, you know, well, let, let's let's get up and move or let's go for a walk or, you know, how about if we, you know, sing along to a song, whatever it's going to be. And the thing that I invite you to do is, is front load that. So plan that when I'm ventral and talk yeah. about, let's play around with. It's, it's fun to experiment. You know, this kind of work is all a big experiment anyway, right? So let's experiment and see what do you think would help when you're feeling some of that, you know, right? W would it help to for us to move together, right? You know, or would it help to play some music so you can feel the beat? Or would it help to, to have some certain images that we pull up on the screen that that feel that way? There are lots of ways to, to do that, yeah. And it's fascinating to me that you, because um, I wonder about things like the breath or even just uh, mm -hmm. presence, you know, so aware, becoming aware and how that might create that sense of organization. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let, let's talk about presence first. Your ability to be anchored in ventral and send that energy to me so that my neuroception feels it is important and in sympathetic 
the energy you're sending, your ventral energy needs to have its own energy and activity to it. Because if you send me your very kind, slow, connecting, gentle coach's energy, and I'm in a sympathetic, you know, disorganized, chaotic place, my nervous system is probably not going to get the message. Right. So what I need you to do is send me ventral care connection, but with some oomph behind it. Say, you know, so your words rather than saying, oh, I, you know, I'm right here with you need to be, wow, I can really feel there's a lot of energy going on here right now. And I'm here with you. Let's explore it together. Something like that. You can feel the difference, right? And then in dorsal, you want more of that gentle. Because in dorsal, the experience of being is one of being lost, alone, abandoned, where no one's ever going to find you, right? It's an untethered floating thing. And so when you're in dorsal, I might just simply say, I'm right here with you. And I'm going to stay here as long as we need. And I'm sending you ventral. Can your nervous system feel it? I don't talk to the brain because your brain's not there. Can you feel it? It's a crazy question. Can your nervous system feel it? Is a better entry in, right? But you could feel the very different energy, right? And then breath, because breath is um, a, a portal to changing state. It's an autonomic activity. It's controlled by your nervous system and we can manipulate it. It's one of the few things that is an autonomic experience that we also can manipulate. And breath is a powerful um, regulator. It's also a powerful activator. So we want to be very careful with clients. And it's something we want to play around with and experiment with when they are anchored and feeling um, curious. Because, you know, and I always say to a client, you know, let's just start by noticing the breath, right? And even noticing can be too much. But let's start by noticing Right. And then what we know generally is if you extend the inhale, you come back to more ventral. Right. And if you if you bring more breath in, you bring more energy in. So if I'm in dorsal, I may want to bring more breath in. Oh, yeah. Right? And then extending the exhale for the ventral. Yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And sighing, which is something I teach and I love to teach. So let's talk about sighing. Sighing, um, the, the research on sighing says that it is a, a gentle reset of both your nervous system and your in your brain activity. Right. Isn't that fascinating? And we sigh spontaneously many times an hour. So, you know, I talk to clients and I say it's something you do anyway. Right. So, you know, we might begin by just noticing when you sigh. But let's play with sighing, right? So when you're in a dorsal hopeless despair, you you have a sigh of, of despair, right? And as you sigh in that despairing place, it's a momentary reset. It's an interruption of that place in your nervous system. In sympathetic, we have a sigh of frustration, right? Or a sigh of anger or a sigh of anxiety. Again, it's an interruption. And then when we reach ventral, we have a sigh of relief. And then when we stay there, we have a sigh of contentment. And what I do with clients is I just practice those four kinds of sighing. You know, we imagine, you know, we're, we're together, we're regulated. Let's imagine what a sigh of despair, a hopeless uh, sigh might sound like, you know, and again, what we want to do is we want to do it when we don't need it. Right. We want to do it when we're feeling ventral enough so that we can we can play with these things. And then when my client goes to that state, I'm going to say, oh, let's let's give a sigh of despair together. Right. And again, it's that together because we want to co-regulate. Right. I don't say, why don't you try to sigh of despair? I say, oh, let's let's do that together. Let's sigh in despair together. Right. And, and that that begins to, it, it lets them know I'm right here with you. And it also is a shared activity and it's going to interrupt for a moment the depth of that disconnection, right? I, I'm not, I don't understand sympathetic as well in an embodied way because it's not my, my place, right? And yet, boy, do I love to sigh with frustration with my clients. <laughs> it is such fun. So you and I could have fun sighing with frustration right and then that you know i think we what we forget is we want to honor and savor and celebrate when we're in ventral so that sigh of relief oh look we arrived back 
inventory, <sighs> right? And then a sigh of contentment when we stay there, right? And that's the piece as, as coaches, as therapists, we forget. When we're working with the dysregulation, we forget that we, ha- we have to really savor the regulation, right? That's important. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of um, helps us to reinforce it and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe even ex- uh, extend it or increase it in some way. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and that's shaping your pathways. Right. I mean, we and, and I like to to sit, talk about this explicitly with my clients. So I like to tell them I'm going to narrate this for your nervous system as we go through. Right. And so as as they begin to come back to life, oh, there, your nervous system is bringing just a spark of energy. Right. As they are, as we're in ventral again. Wow. Look at that. We just navigated all the way back to this place of safety. How wonderful is that? So really putting it out there in explicit language, because what we're talking about are implicit processes that are happening all the time. And unless we bring them into explicit awareness, we can't really work with them in the way that we want. There's something I wanted to ask you about images, because you said, and is that related to a cue? Like as in an image is a cue that can display a sign of um, safety or connection just curious about that yeah yeah and i love images i'm i'm an i'm an image and kind of thinker and some people image does not work at all for me i do love image and so i often will um, collect images um, from um, the websites where you can collect free images that there, there are a couple that artists upload their images free for you to use which i think are lovely and so I'm always collecting images and then sharing them in my workshops, used to share them with clients and just, you know, say, here's, here's what this did for my system. This represents sympathetic for me. Where does that land in your system? Because that's the curiosity, because what's sympathetic for me might be ventral to you or dorsal, right? I don't know. This is all, this, this again is, I need to understand my system and then be curious about yours. And I would then also invite clients and I invite people in my workshops to create their own set of images and share them, right? Because if my client brings me their images, you know, it's fun. They'll say, so here, here are my sympathetic images. And, I, and I'll look through them and go, ooh, yes, yes, mm, not, no, nope, my system goes here. It's this lovely joining as humans, you know, and understanding how nervous systems are different and dissimilar. And for my client to really get to know their system through image, which, you know, for many of them is, is, is a good way. Music is the other. I have clients create musical playlists, right? You know, what are songs that, that are ventral inspired to you? And then what are songs that really bring your sympathetic and dorsal to life? Right. So that you could if you're in a sympathetic place, you could turn this song on and you could be with your sympathetic and really feel it or or the same with dorsal. There's magic in music. You know, there really is. So these are all the ways that if you understand the organizing principles, you get creative. Right. Mm. How else might we get to know your nervous system? Right. Mm. Yeah. I I love that. So so over time, you're sort of learning your own unique kind of. a flavor of these systems and, uh, you know, becoming more sensitive to them and perhaps being able to make more and more refined discernments about how they're showing up for you and which then is empowering you because then you can, you know, you're more sensitive to when they're happening. Yeah. Yeah. And I like how you said, you know, the flavors, because if I know where I am on the continuum of, of sympathetic, you know, am I just entering in? Am I, you know, at a midpoint, am I fully immersed? You know, if I know where I am along that pathway, along that continuum, then I can, you know, know what, what do I need to do? Because if I'm just entering in, you know, it'll take much less for me to come back to ventral than if I'm fully immersed, right? So knowing more precisely where I am is a lovely way. An image can help us you know, do that. You know, we can create a continuum of all the flavors of your event of your sympathetic through a whole series of images, right? Yeah. It's fascinating to to give people options of how do you want to get to know your your system. Here's where your system. Well, we what here's the biology of this system. How do you want to bring it to life, right? And yeah. and 
trying to find multiple ways. I don't know. What would you bring? Are you an image or a movement or a music? Or... Well, I, you know, I just thinking this year, I had a, a point in the year where it was very challenging for me. And I, I kind of um, definitely had spent long periods of my time in the sympathetic and the dorsal, I think. And I actually instinctively started to do things that uh, supported me. So I'm, I actually made a playlist of music that was very touching to me. And, and it, you know, it just seemed to, it's funny because without knowing what you're sharing now, it, it was like I selected the music that just seemed to hit the right spot for me and bring something out of me. And I would often listen to that walking in nature as well. So I started to combine them yeah. and I, it makes me think about these protocols as we get more and more sophisticated with this. I imagine we could like uh, create these really sophisticated attuned protocols for people that could help them shift yeah. rapidly, maybe even using things like virtual reality or, uh, you know, artificial intelligence. I don't know. But. I know it is fascinating to see where it can go, isn't it? I, I like what you did because, and I think what you say is so true. We we intuitively know to reach for something. You know, it's the same as in as in our work. We intuitively know what to do, and, and this theory and this this way of of exploring it just puts the science underneath what you're already doing. So, you know, you new music was important and so you created a playlist and then you added walking which is this gentle movement to keep you out of shutdown and to organize your movement in nature and the research on nature says that nature is a, a pretty predictable regulator of our nervous system right so you intuitively put three together and now knowing the science behind it you might then go on to create some some specific things that you would do if you felt yourself moving into that sympathetic state you would you rather than just you know sort of falling into it right you now can say oh here are some ways i'm going to work on this and combine this and see what works for me so that's that's where we're heading which is beautiful isn't it yeah 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 totally i could see this kind of thing being taught in in schools to children and um i even in the way we design our buildings and things like that, I could imagine there's an application here that we're, our, our environments are attuned to our nervous systems and vice versa, which they probably already are anyway, but we're, we're actually, well, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, if and it's interesting because we have to be careful because, you know, we talk about um, when we get multiple nervous systems together in one space, they have different responses to different elements in that space right so we want to be careful not to say you know this is going to be ventral for everybody because i haven't found that thing yet <laughs> you know right. even nature right what kind of nature where in nature what are the what are the elements of nature that bring you the most ventral joy i live in maine and i live by the beach and that the ocean is for me the place in nature you know I like mountains, I like forests, but they don't do the same thing for me. How about you? Well, I was just at the beach and, um, you know, there's something about swimming in the sea that, that mm -hmm. it just makes me start laughing. And <laughs> I um, love it. so it's like a kind of, that's the like premier, uh, especially mm -hmm. if, it's a, if it's a beautiful coastline as well. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. So then what I do is I collect beach stones Right. And they become my ventral, um, you know, anchors that, that I can hold on to. I have collections of them, you know, around the house. And when I'm having a particularly challenging day, I might grab a stone and put it in my pocket or carry it with me. So it kind of you can see how we can connect things and, and build on them. Right. So, you know, if I'm in an environment, you're, you're building me a space. I want it to have some elements of that feel like ocean. But my colleague, you know, really loves um, forests. And so ocean would be okay for her. And she needs some elements that would remind her of forest. So it's just, it's, this is the lesson of, of the nervous system is that we know nature is, is a regulator. And then within that, each person is going to have a different element in nature that, that really brings that alive for them. So we want to be curious about that. Right. Right. Some someone likes looking at cute cat pictures, and the other ones like <laughs> this like hates the cats. You know. So, um, exactly. 
Yeah. I, I mean, I, I get, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say sounds because I was just listening. There's somebody hammering out there in the, you know, out there in the neighborhood. Sounds are very regulating and, and activating, right? And so if you if you create a, a sound environment, you know, we call it a soundscape. If you create a soundscape, if you know what sounds, they're called sound marks. What sound marks make up a soundscape that brings you a, a sense of a ventral you know, that welcome, that, you know, whatever, however you describe it, then you can begin to create that too. And for you, music was a sound that helped, right? Specific sounds for me, it is as well. Um, the sound of the sea, you know, um, I when I worked in an office, we all had the sound machines outside our doors for, for privacy. And at the end of the day, when you turned the sound machines off, my nervous system went, oh, thank God. You know, it was mm. like, just, oh, all day long. You know, so it's interesting to think about sounds as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it, it gives me a lot of creativity around, um, you know, the way we can, uh, everything, we're perceiving everything all the time and that's impacting us sub-perceptually. Um, and I get curious about, you know, you, you work with clients and um, do, when you work with them, I just get curious unpacking that. Like, are they coming to you because they want to work with you for a period of time, you know, uh, say six months or a year. And, and they, uh, you know, are you then working with them on helping them kind of uh, become more resilient by perhaps retoning their, their nervous system from adverse childhood experiences? Is it, is it really just about giving them key distinctions and so they can go away and practice themselves? I'm just kind of like, wondering where you go with them yeah. Yeah. yeah so so for me it's a both end because i'm i and i will say you know i am not even seeing um clients individually um any longer um i i saw my last client um at the end of 2020 um now because now i you know teach and train and and do workshops and the joy I get is is doing demos in a workshop because I am a clinician and I love clinical practice and so that's that's what I get to do but when I was practicing I'm, I'm a complex trauma specialist and so my clients would come to me with, with a very complicated um, nervous system and complicated living situation and what I would say and and what I you know, think we all should say if we're working in this way is, you know, this this presenting problem is what we call it. The presenting problem, the thing that brought you here because you are so suffering, or in many cases, the people around you are suffering and they've sent you here, right? I worked with a lot of people who were involved with the with the law, and so they were sent to therapy, right? So for whatever reason you've ended up here, if we might take that and put it over on the side and work here, work to understand and begin to bring regulation to your nervous system, and then take this problem back and look at it, we're going to be able to work with it in a much different way, right? Because if I'm trying to work with someone who, you know, has gotten into trouble with the legal system because of anger issues, right? Um, whether, whether it's domestic violence or, um, you know, property damage, whatever it is, you know, if I don't help them first regulate their nervous system, then I'm I'm working against their biology, right? It's it's like you know much of my work in in the beginning of my clinical work was working with people who had sexually offended. It's one of the um, programs that I worked in, and back then, you know, before we really you know trusted this and had other ways of working with it, what you were doing is you were you were creating with a person. Um, a relapse prevention plan, right? Which really meant, here's the box you have to live within, right? You have to stay in there, which was a crazy thing to do because once you tell a nervous system it has to only do these four things, it feels trapped and it's going to bring survival energy, right? So then when we started saying, okay, if we could help you regulate your nervous system, your life's going to look very different and we can then figure out what's the safety plan from there, right? So, it, you know, it changes everything. It changes how we look at the work we're doing, whether it's work with, with people who have harmed others, work with people who are suffering, work with people who simply are, are trying to figure out how do I navigate this life in, in, a, in a more healthy way, right? 
those the, the the ways that are not working again are the symptoms the nervous system is sending you and so if we can regulate bring more ventral to their system and to their daily experience then we can work with those things that brought them and it's the story is going to be different what they the options that they create are, are amazing things i would never think about but my client mm-hmm. goes oh i think i'm going to try this one wow I never would have thought about that, but their nervous system knows. And once you give it the the platform of ventral to hold it, they will do, you know, really wonderful things with that. And then I become more of the guide. So in the beginning, I'm sort of helping them learn to shape, and then I become a guide. And then if there is some, um, you know, complex trauma that um, is stuck and needs to be processed, you know, then there are other models of therapy that you might use to do that. But as I, you know, I tell my colleagues who are trained in all of these, you know, very wonderful trauma processing models, you got to remember no matter what model you're using, you're working with your client's nervous system. That comes first. Yeah. So is that, is that, yeah, I, I'm getting it really fascinating now. So um, basically, if you do a lot of that complex trauma work, but the person's nervous system is pretty, um dysregulated then you know you it's it's not gonna you know you're not gonna have much effect because they're not they've not got any strength in the system but actually if you learn to if you help someone learn to regulate their nervous system and and increase the kind of flexibility in it if that's the right way to say it then um then maybe a lot of those issues then start to go away because suddenly they've they can you know rely on that call on that when they need it yeah, and, and and that brings up two things. One, many clients would get to the point where they felt more regulated, more in control, and able to to manage the moments they were pulled into survival and find their way back. And they would say, "Okay, I think I'm done." Never touched the the post the past traumatic experiences in any explicit way. They were they said, "I'm good." Beautiful. And then other clients would reach that point and say, oh, okay, now, you know, I want to look at that traumatic experience that I had. And what we find is when you can anchor in ventral, have enough ventral alive and active in the system, you can then be informed by your past traumatic experiences rather than relive them, right? You can reflect on them. You can learn from them. I can go visit sympathetic and dorsal, which is where the trauma is held. The trauma doesn't live in ventral. Right. But if I'm anchored in ventral, I can go to sympathetic and dorsal and and be with those traumatic memories, those traumatic moments and do something with them, but only from that anchor in ventral. Yeah. Right. Is is that where, yeah, in a sense of ventral, then you you have the presence, the compassion that can actually be with that trauma in a way that can allow it to be seen and to integrate. I'm thinking of like internal family systems type, you know. Mm -hmm. Whatever, whatever approach it is that you can actually be with it. Yes. Yeah. And not only can can my client be with it, but I can be with my client as we're both with it. So again, that comes back to that co-regulation piece, because, you know, for those of us who, who hold traumatic moments, the longing is to be witnessed. Right. And, and witnessing is an interesting experience being, I can witness my own experience and you and I can witness together. That, that's the, 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 the whole of, of what's needed, right? So, you know, it, it's a different way of listening, right? It's, 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 a, it's a deep listening. We're with the experience and listening in that way, um, both me to my system and you and me together. So that I know that you're you're witnessing me and with me. So yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a lovely joining process. Mm. And th- and then um, I guess that uh, makes me think of then that in that co-regulation in that joining, the role of um, I heard you use the word curiosity, um, and that because I like this, it's like the way I get you talking hear you talking about it is it's not like clinical anyway i mean that in the sense of like um you know uh we're gonna apply this five-step process machine-like but actually there's um there's a kind of curiosity and a and a presence to what's emerging and, and the unknown in some ways does that yes. feel right that's yeah. beautiful yes and, and you know for 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 some 
therapists, some coaches, some people in this work, that can feel very, that can feel dangerous because I don't have these seven steps to follow. Right. And so the, 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 the shift is to say, you're, we're, you're just staying in the conversation with the nervous system. Right. I, I, I sometimes, you know, tell people in my workshops, what you're going to do is you're going to go on an autonomic adventure with your client and you don't know where you're going, but you're taking ventral with you. So it's okay. Right. That really is the experience. As long as I'm anchored, I'm just curious. I, and I have no agenda. My, my agenda. Yes, I have an agenda, but my agenda is to help my client um, feel safe enough, have enough of their own ventral and feel mine so that we can explore. But when the agenda becomes, oh, we have to, we have to resolve that you know, event or resolve that pattern or change something, that's a sympathetically driven need on my part. And it's going to transmit to my client's nervous system that I am not just there with, ready to go with, and they're going to go into a survival response. And you can see where that takes us, right? Mm. Yeah. It, I, I love this because I think this is something I hear about um, that I think is just an underlying principle of, um, I don't know what I call it, like transformation or, or um, regulation, which is like dropping the change agenda. You know, that, that, um, and I hear it's spoken about from so many perspectives, but this is from the polyvagal perspective of like, if, if you're, if you've got an agenda with your client in any way, um, or if the client has an agenda with themselves, there's a kind of aggression in that. And, and it, it's actually gonna hinder that, yeah. that unfoldment, that, that organic unfoldment into, into the ventral. Yeah, right. Because that 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 agenda comes with with a activated energy, right? And then you, if without ventral change can't happen. Truly, what happens when you go to sympathetic or dorsal, your nervous system then closes to change. It's going to take you into one of your familiar survival stories, and you're stuck in that story. Right. So the only way out is to bring the, the ventral energy that brings possibility and, and options and, and hope and all of that. And when we have that, then, you know, then things change. And, and that's the moment when, when you help a client sort of understand, oh, yes, something little changed. Then they, you get you get them to want to do it some more. Right. Not this great big, huge change, because that's really not how the nervous system works. It doesn't work by doing this this practice that has this monumental shift, you know, although sometimes we do feel a visceral and embodied nervous system before and after most of the time, it's a very gentle, you know, tiny steps along the way that we're tracking. And then at some point there's a tipping point where, Oh, this feels really different. Right. Mm -hmm. And that our job is to just notice those, those little shifts along the way that get us to this point where, Oh, huh. I really did that differently. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I guess one comment uh, I'd love to in a moment, just ask you about where we can find out more about your work. And also if uh, to, to know you're going to be teaching in the neuroscience of change and what you'll be talking about there. But just one reflection that came up was this sense of um, in leadership, you know, and I mean, in a way by leadership, all of us right now we're in a kind of leadership dojo that this practice of being attuned to ourselves and um, um, learning to attune to what's emerging and uncertainty mm -hmm. uh, and, and staying in the ventral whilst that's happening is just a fundamental practice it sounds like yeah you know this this time we're in globally you know for you know all sorts of reasons that have come together and we can see the polarization that's taking place in the world through the lens of the nervous system. We can talk about that polarization as the, the incredible number of people who are in a sympathetic activated fight or an activated flight. And then the other huge group of people who have gone to a dorsal um, give up, no hope, um, can't care, right? And that's biology. That's not people making a decision that I'm going to I'm going to be angry and fight or I'm going to you know give up. That's your nervous system taking you to that state. And then out of that state, those stories emerge. And the only way we are going to be able to to really even have conversations that we need to have 
and make the change that we need to make um, and even figure out what that is, is when there's enough ventral in the world to offer those cues of safety and welcome so that people can feel safe enough to engage and do that, right? And, and when I think about it, it can feel overwhelming. Like, how do I possibly do that? How do I get all these people to ventral? And so if we bring it back to its to its lowest common denominator, and the nervous system is the common denominator we all share, we can do it one nervous system at a time. We can do it starting with our nervous system, and then we send cues of safety and welcome out into the world, and that finds another nervous system. And another nervous system can begin to feel that and send that on. Because this, this connection we are inextricably connected, all of, all of us humans, through our nervous systems. And think about that as a beautiful communication pathway to send an invitation for ventral connection. Mm. Hell yeah, Deb. Like, I, I just think that's a beautiful place to uh, bring this conversation to a close. I, you know, I, I've said this a lot on this podcast, and I think it's true for therapists too, but I think coaches have an important role to play in these times for that reason that you just named that, you know, one client at a time and it can ripple out and that, you know, then there's a, a sea change happening where more people access mm -hmm. ventral. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I think that's a beautiful thing to and, say. And, that, and that, that brings us to a, to a sense of hope, right? When, when we can feel pretty hopeless, you know, Steve talked about benevolence and, and, um, and I love that term benevolence and benevolence is not only am I in ventral, but I'm using ventral, but benevolence is the active, ongoing, intentional use of ventral vagal energy in service of healing, right? So, so it's, it, I can be in ventral and I can use my ventral in service of healing. So that's the invitation for, for all of us. Mm, yeah. Wonderful. Well, uh, I feel that sense of hope right now, you know, um, and mm. I, I'm, I'm, I hope that list people listening feel that too. And maybe there's, it's happening right now, you know, through uh, your mm. sound, through our voice and through yeah. the co-regulation of us in connection and the yeah. community of practitioners that listen to this podcast around the world. Uh, so, yeah, we're, well, also, I'd love to ask you about the neuroscience of change. You're going to teach a little bit on that. What are you going to talk about? in your session do you know that yeah i know you've only you just know, signed up to that you might not I'm know not sure yet. it's going to be <laughs> interesting to to kind of figure out what what would be the best the best right. fit what would be most most appreciated so i don't know yet um yeah. and i and i will say i do love creating um workshops and I, and you know I, I love the different flavors we can give a workshop to meet the particular need in the moment and the, and, and the audience so i don't know yet Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I'm excited to tune into that one. And where can we find out more about your work? Um, my website, um, rhythmofregulation.com. And, and I'm excited because um, my um, people, uh, my team, we just redesigned the website. So I'm, I'm enjoying it again. You know how you, you do a redesigning. Like, oh, I really do like this. I love the images. I love the, it just, it has a, it has a ventral energy feeling to it for me. So, and it may not for other people, but for me, it's like, okay, I like my website. So rhythmofregulation.com. Great, great. And I also recommend people listening, check out your books as well. Um, I found those to be, to be very informal, uh, inf informational, very um, inspiring. So Thank you. informal is not the right word I'm looking for, but well, you get what I mean. It really is meant to, to be sort of an easy translation to, you know, so that people are welcomed in and don't have to understand the deep science, but get the science. So I like informal, yeah. fine with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. Thanks, Deb. Mm, thank you. Yeah. Deb is on the faculty of our live online coach training, which begins on the 22nd of September this year called the Neuroscience of Change. And this program is all about how do you apply the revolutionary research which is being done in the field of neuroscience that tells us what happens in the brain and the body when different coaching techniques are used. And these discoveries are transforming the practice of coaching. So in this program, you're going to learn really key distinctions. And most importantly, you'll learn coaching tools that are applying these distinctions that will allow you to more reliably create change, positive transformation in your clients.
And so what do you get in this program? Well, there's 16 live video workshops, live and interactive. You can ask questions and uh, there'll be practices and coaching demos. Everything's downloadable. There's transcripts, workbooks, and four integration practice workshops where you get to actually apply what you're learning in the teaching sessions. And I think one of the most incredible things about the program is the faculty. We've got the coaches out there who are have deeply immersed themselves in the field. People like Amanda Blake, Richard Biazis, who's been actually conducting neuroscientific studies with with people when they've been exposed to different coaching techniques. It's got some amazing insights about that. Anne Betts, David Trelevin, and, and Deb Dana. And then we've got also neuroscientists who are in the labs doing the work, coming out with groundbreaking research and really paradigms that are changing how we see who we are. People like Lisa Feldman Barrett and David Eagleman. So if you want to know more, you can head to coachesrising.com forward slash neuroscience of change. And enrollment is now open and is until the 21st of September 2021.